Hello, you're listening to Bricks and Mortar with Sarah Jackman. Today I'm talking to Greg Manson, Director of Debt Finance at Oak North Bank. Greg sits within the property finance team and recently received his accreditation to become a chartered surveyor via the senior professional route. He joins me today for a look at his journey to that qualification. Good morning, Greg. First, congratulations on becoming chartered. It's quite an achievement. Thank you. Good morning. Um, yeah, it was it was a little bit of a pipe dream about a year ago. And now here we are having having done it and jumped through all the hoops um, with the late evenings and the pre-assessment anxiety. But I, I'm really glad that, that I managed to get there uh, and get it done. Um, it, it was it was a journey, but it was definitely worth it in the end. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that journey in a moment. Um, but I guess it's worth saying, you know, that it's slightly unusual um, in that you have got your main profession in finance and that you've chosen to add a what is, I guess, a supplementary qualification into that to sit alongside um, your main profession in finance. Tell me a little bit about your main profession and, and the job that you do day to day? So so my day job hasn't changed at all. Um, I, I'm a property lender. So on behalf of Oak North, Oak North Bank, I um, originate new real estate deals, um, whether they be investment deals, development deals, acquisition bridges, whatever it might be. Um, but with, with a fundamental theme across it of them being real estate backed now that is across the small stuff you know 500,000 pounds small as that all the way up to 70 75 perhaps even 80 million and you know the beauty of Oak North is we do it all with the same methodology all under one roof and we don't have different departments that do different sizes and so I've got a really diverse client base from sort of small one-man band developers all the way up to REITs, PLCs and you know big prop codes that that your audience will undeniably have heard of and um, so it's really exciting and diverse which which means that you know I have great conversations with clients all day every day and, and it keeps me on my toes with regards to knowledge around the whole market not just residential not just office not just you know supported living uh, really across all sectors in real estate finance I guess you're very much focused on the real estate finance side has your experience in finance always been dedicated to real estate it's not been dedicated to real estate, but real estate in my career has always kind of lurked around. Even from when before I joined banking, uh, I spent a year working as a sort of finance director in a small charity. And one of my roles was to was to manage their property portfolio, two residential properties and uh, and a commercial office. So one of the first things I did was to, you know, it effectively open up a bit of co-working space at the office to generate an additional revenue stream and, you know, rebase the rents of the residential as well. I just felt that it was important for the not-for-profit to justify that it was doing as much as possible to generate revenue, you know, for the benefit of, of its uh, purpose. Um, so right from the start, I always had uh, an enthusiasm and knowledge about real estate. And then when I went into um, the Royal Bank of Scotland's graduate programme, 
it wasn't intrinsically real estate focused, but with nearly everything that I found in corporate services or financial services, you know, property is a huge factor. So, so my graduate program was on the business services leadership scheme, which was effectively a back office uh, graduate program within the Royal Bank of Scotland. And, you know, it is there to generate the next generation of leaders within RBS group. And one of the roles that I had was was managing a department. Now, that department was, uh, I think at one point, it's like 55 people or something like that. And I was responsible for not only the outcome of that department, but also managing the resources. One of those things was to relocate from one RBS property to another. So, again, the that experience wasn't necessarily real estate finance linked, but understanding occupational um requirements for tenants now we were moving from one rbs building as an rbs team to another one but still understanding the requirements of us when moving into another site and you know the transition and what the overheads would cost for our department and how we would recalculate them all the way through until i ended up after the graduate scheme through a couple of fortuitous instances in my career ended up working in corporate banking at rbs and when you're in corporate banking it more often than not your transactions are real estate backed whether you're exclusively a real estate lender or whether you have you know cash flow based lending instead more often than not you have tangible security as property and for the next four or five years i was doing a variety of of corporate banking transactions but the common theme was that there was real estate whether that was helping a not-for-profit redevelop their worship hall or whether that was speaking to a, a you know an owner of a chain of news agents buying more properties and um, because he would buy them to operate out of so it wasn't exclusively real estate finance it was working across the entire market but as I said, the underlying theme across all of it was it's real estate. I was then given the opportunity to specialise in real estate when I was at Coots. So that was to become exclusively a real estate lender. And that was about five, six years ago. And I never looked back since. Uh, and ever since then, I've fundamentally done the same job, which is getting money out the door and backing the right type of real estate developers and investors. I guess over a number of years, you, you've amassed experience within the real estate sector. I know after 10 years, people working within real estate um, as, as a sort of broad profession are able to pursue the senior professional route to qualification. Tell me a little bit about how you became aware of that qualification. So it was probably just over a year ago now. Um, I went to visit my client in Marleybone. Um, we're funding a really big project for them in Notting Hill. And in very casually says, are you a chartered surveyor? And I was like, no, I, I'm sort of background in finance. Uh, you, you don't really need to be a surveyor to do what I do. He said, you know, I did it 40 years ago and it's the best thing I've ever done. It's helped me, helped me every day in my job. And if you've got a bit of time, you should look into it. And it was that. It was a passing comment. And we moved on to talk about other things. So later that night, I was like, oh, you know, that's interesting. I wonder, you know, I, I speak to surveyors every day, whether they be agents, valuers or my own clients who are more often than not surveyors uh, in their own right as well. So I looked into it and I did see that there was this senior professional route. 
which, as you said, you require 10 years of practical experience in real estate in order to be eligible to apply for it. And a month later was when I first started in the job where I was property manager and finance director of this charity. So it was just incredibly fortuitous timing. So I waited until that uh, 10 years had elapsed the month later. And then I made some inquiries and applied. I was fortunate enough to be introduced to someone who had done it the two years prior to me or three years prior to me. So they were there as a sounding board in terms of what it entailed and am I ready for this time commitment and am I capable of, of the accreditation? And, you know, through a bit of introspection, speaking with my family and um, speaking to other chartered surveyors, I kind of decided that if I don't try now, life's not exactly going to get easier over the course of the next 10, 20 years. So let's just give it a shot. Uh, and I just jumped straight in. And so tell me then, once you've made that decision, what was the process that you had to follow to become qualified? So the process was pretty clear. You submit an application form and then you wait. It was a couple of weeks. The application form was quite detailed. So it wasn't just your CV and a cover letter. It was summarising all your experience, summarising why you want to become Chartered Surveyor. Who am I and why would I do it? So it did take a while to sort of prepare a, a real submission. And then I submitted it, waited a couple of weeks, found out that I was eligible to enrol. Uh, at that point, there's the financial commitment. So you need to you need to kind of apply for it and pay your subscription. And thankfully, I had the the full backing of Oak North. Um, my 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 boss, Ben Barbanel, was incredibly supportive, both emotionally and, and financially. And, and they funded me to do this. And as I said, jumped in feet first and uh, submitted my application. And that was it. You, you're you're on. Uh, and the way that they, the way that it works is, I don't know if it's the same for the traditional route uh, where you're learning and practice, but it probably isn't. There was no time restraint. I think I had two years to do it, but in that time there were four different assessment settings because they happen twice a year. So I indicatively thought I would do it at 13 months from application. But as I got into it, and I, I kind of realised that the content. Is, is kind of akin to what I already know, or at least a lot of it is, through, through my day-to-day -day experience. I actually spoke to my mentor and I spoke to the RICS and I said, listen, is it possible for me to do that in the April 2021 assessment? Uh, and I think I had to get special dispensation for that, but I did. Um, so I ended up doing that in, in, in about seven months. So from September all the way through to uh, April. Uh, and during those, those months, I think that's that's the question that you're asking. What what did I do? It was a lot of learning. Um, so whilst I have practical experience and a very detailed knowledge of property finance, there were some absolute chasms in my knowledge. So I didn't know the first thing about agency work or how to, what to do if you're a regulated chartered surveyor running your own practice or anything about the ethics and code of conduct, which, by the way, changed halfway through my learning, which was really fun. So I had learned the old stuff and the new stuff, as did the property measurement standards that evolved during. So it was just understanding what the textbook says, because I've got the practical theory and I understand the why 
but I just didn't necessarily know the textbook answers for the what. And so Oak North funded me to uh, have a, a mentor. Every week there was a webinar about a different competency. And that's how the RICS accreditation is broken up into various different competencies. So one week I'd be learning about valuation. One week I'd be learning about sustainability. One week I'd be learning about measurement and inspection. And I would just be furiously typing up notes. So I was just compiling this information, compiling, and my poor mentor must have been so exhausted with me by the end of it because I would just ask loads of questions and, you know, always put my hand up and ask the question. And I think that was a function of my experience in the market compared to those other those other students that were on the course because I'd been doing this for 10 years, they'd been doing this for six months or eight months or 12 months. And um, so I had a lot more practical experience to draw upon to ask the right questions. So whilst he might have been exhausted with my enthusiasm, he was probably grateful for my input to enhance the learning of the webinars. Um, and we ended up with a fantastic relationship and hopefully a new client. I'm not sure if he's going to listen, but I uh, want to do, <laughs> do plenty more with him. And yeah, so it was just a huge amount of learning. And then in addition to this sort of formal and informal learning, you actually have to prepare a, a submission document. There is a deviation from the traditional in-practice route, where in that route, you need to do one substantial case study and then summarise the rest of your experience. So every competency at every level, one, two or three, you need to summarise your experience to justify why you achieve that competency. Slightly different in the senior professional route, where you've got to do three case studies, two of which are in your real estate experience going towards some of the real estate competencies, and one of which is in your senior leader experience. So in addition to having to have the experience within real estate, you also need to evidence that you are a senior leader uh, and a decision maker within the organisation that you come from. And thankfully, in my role, I, I do make decisions. Uh, there is an element of line management responsibility. Making um, reasoned recommendations to your client is what you need to demonstrate as a leader. Now, my reasoned recommendations wasn't to my clients. Well, it was, but it was primarily to our credit committee. So it, it was about changing the narrative away from doing this as a property professional to doing it as a banker and making it relatable. And I think that was one of the, the key challenges that I had to overcome was to try and achieve that balance of being honest about who I am and my career and transferring that into a template, which is generally more appropriate for people who are working directly in the property sector rather than financial services. Yeah. And how enjoyable was the whole process? I, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I like learning, firstly, and I could generally feel my knowledge after every webinar, after every question in hand. Um, and I could also listen to my colleagues and quantify it by people coming up to me and sort of you know, saying a bit tongue in cheek, you know, you're 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 going to be a chartered surveyor. How would you do this? And and I liked being able to answer those questions because I I knew the practical answer, but I also knew the theoretical answer. And being able to wear both of those hats as a banker was really fun. Um, but also doing that with my clients, being able to step into the shoes of my clients, gave me I felt a lot more credibility, and it made the foundations for what would be a more robust and impactful conversation to arrive at lending decisions and structuring decisions a, a lot 
quicker and structures that are perhaps more relevant and you know more robust which was great uh, and you know the, the education was great the time commitment wasn't so bad you know we were in lockdown and for me I, I kind of make sure that my time is is effectively spent so you know the hour in between putting my daughter to bed and and you know winding down there's just a free hour that I would be I don't know commuting or doing something like that so I would just open up my laptop and read the notes from the previous webinar or something like that. And so you've alluded to it there, the way in which it can help make more informed decisions and, and you can put yourself into the shoes of the client. Has the qualification overall had, had a, a hugely beneficial effect on your day-to-day work? Yeah, well, without doubt. And and listen, it does it does a couple of things. Firstly, it enhances my credibility in the marketplace, which means that you know, if, if someone's going on LinkedIn, whether it be a, a prospective borrower or a debt broker, you know, having those letters after my name is is a sign to the market that it's not it's not definitive, but it suggests that I know what I'm talking about. And as a result, there are certainly more inbound inquiries um, not all of them materialize, um, but it, it facilitates more conversations. Um, and in terms of you know the performance in in my role those structuring decisions mean that i have i've had a pretty good conversion rate in terms of what i take to credit committee and what gets approved whether that is because credit committee have got a little bit more trust in me because i do have the accreditation i'm not sure or whether it's because i have the accreditation which means that i'm structuring deals really thoroughly and and I've identified the key risks when it comes to real estate rather than just what the borrower identifies are the key risks. So it's being able to have that conversation ahead of credit committee to make the committee process a little bit more streamlined. I know there's been a huge time commitment um, on your part to go through this process. I mean, would you recommend it to others possibly with a similar background or um, who are looking at the senior professional route as a possibility? Would you recommend it as a next step for them? I would, but it takes a, it takes a certain type of person to to do that. I mean, it, at Oak North, as it is in most banks, it's a full-time job and it's a full-time job that's occasionally sometimes more often than other times stretches into evenings and weekends so this is this is a, a relatively big time and financial commitment over and above what is already a time-consuming role to have so what i would advise is that if you're really thinking about it you've got to make sure that you've got the capacity because it's stressful there's a load of pressure it culminates in a one hour passer refer interview. And, you know, if you get one of those questions wrong and it's a it's a bit of a, a pivotal question, then you're kind of back at the starting block and you need to wait another six months to, to reset. So you really need to be committed to it. And what I would say to people in my industry is if you can guarantee your commitment for the next what could be 12 months, there's no benefit in doing it because it it doesn't necessarily enhance your day-to-day performance. It doesn't necessarily enhance your career prospects. I was just of the view that I wanted to do it because I just thought it would help. And as I said earlier in this conversation, if I don't do it now, 
you know, I've got I've got a young daughter now who's pretty time consuming, but I might have subsequent children or I might have more work or I might be moving house one year. Who, who knows what what the commitment would be? But I just kind of looked at my diary and I thought, right, I can I can do this by that time and I can commit that time. And I had the Christmas holidays as well, where, as my wife will probably confirm, I was working near enough every day, at least two or three hours. So, you know, having having that support from my family was really important. So if you've got the right support and the right commitment for the right reasons, then I would totally recommend it. But if that doesn't fall into line, if you're a successful banker in your own right, then there's no intrinsic benefit to it other than your own advancement uh, in terms of your knowledge. And what's next for your career? It is practicing as a chartered surveyor. Is that something that you might ever come to, do you think? I don't think so. I, I don't think it's where I want my career to necessarily go, but I suppose it does open the door if I wanted it to. I know a lot of property agents that aren't chartered surveyors. And I know obviously a lot of bankers that aren't chartered surveyors. I, I think what I would continue doing for the short, medium, potentially medium to long term is continue working in real estate finance, whether that be at a bank for the long term or whether that means going in-house and structuring deals. It's, it's early to tell. What I what I know is that I'm incredibly happy here at Oak North. I seem to be doing well and, and I've got no immediate desires to to be moving elsewhere anytime soon. So very happy continuing as a banker for now. Uh, but I suppose who knows what the future holds in another 10 years time. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we wish you very best of luck with the next 10 years. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Sarah. That was Bricks and Mortar from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at podbean.com.